Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. Today, we are talking about women at work and the critical things we need to know and remember as we navigate our careers. Joining us to share her invaluable wisdom is Vanessa Udelman. She is a sought-after author, coach, and leadership expert, who is also a published author, contributor to CKNW Radio, and a guest lecturer in the MBA program at the Ted Rogers School of Management. Vanessa has achieved successful change outcomes with organizations such as BMO, Star Media, Campbell Soup, the Food Banks of Canada, Motorola, and none other than the United Nations. Vanessa has been developing leaders across the globe for over two decades and specializes in teaching women at work how to lead, gain confidence, and feel fulfilled in the workplace. Thank you for joining us today and welcome, Vanessa. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Great. Maybe we could start off with you letting us know a little bit about your journey and what led you to this passionate work and specifically focusing on women. For sure. For sure. So I have been developing leaders for over 20 years and it definitely is a passion of mine. I started actually in teaching. I was a teacher and I taught at-risk youth. And um, after having several chairs thrown at my head, I thought, ah, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I don't feel like this is really my path. This is anymore. not my path. <laughs> yes, the chair at the head thing. Not oh really my for goodness. Me. Wow. True stories. Yes, wow. true stories. Oh my goodness. So um, actually a friend of mine had just been promoted in her company, which was a training and consulting firm. She said, my old job has opened up. Why don't you apply? Oh, yeah. So I applied. Yeah. And I got into adult education and I, I became a consultant over the years in that company. And then I worked mm-hmm. in-house in an organization development and learning department. And it was when I worked in-house at a wonderful organization that I really tried leadership for the first time and became a leader and built a team. And I had people who loved me and adored me as a leader. And I had a couple of people who were like, this leadership is not where your leadership style does not work for me. So that was a real eye opener. So I learned a lot of lessons um, in that role about leadership. And also I went, I had two maternity leaves while I was in that organization Mm-hmm. And while I was on my second maternity leave, a new, a new boss uh, came into my department and my old boss I'd worked with for five years and I loved her and we yes. had an amazing relationship and rapport. Mm-hmm. And this new boss came in and she was an absolute nightmare. Oh no. So yeah, she was a bit of a bully. And so I'd never had that experience before. And while it was really challenging at the time, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad I had that experience because it really allowed me to solidify why leaders are so important because I really yeah. believe that leaders make or break people's experience at work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's I leaders it's, and the team they build around them. Right. So, oh yeah. And I think it's pretty, it's pretty common when people say people leave managers, they don't leave companies 
And I never understood it until I Mm. had that experience. So that really made me feel passionate about developing leaders because they really do make or break experience people's experiences at work. You mentioned that, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, women can't work together and especially female leaders who lead other women. Um, And you mentioned that this sort of bully leader that you had was a woman. What made you, what was it that made you focus on, on developing women leaders in particular? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a myth that women don't care about each other. I agree. Or each other. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. What's really interesting about this this mean bully boss? Actually, years later, she called me up and she <laughs> said, "Can we go out for coffee?" I was like, "No, oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> olive branch, white flag." I right. I, I best you know, I best go and see what she has to say. We kind of made amends, and she apologized. And there were things going on in her life at the time. And I think that to me is how it should be with women. Like we agree. She just took a high road and she owned her behavior. And and so Mm -hmm. um, why I'm passionate about working with women is because I work with so many organizations across the globe and there's still very much a glass ceiling. Yes. Um, You know, women, it's really interesting. Like if you look at the data, women occupy 40% of manager positions, which is terrific. But when you go higher up to the next level, they only occupy 6% of C-suite roles and only 2% of CEOs are women. Wow. Yeah. So that's why. And I also feel like the world needs more feminine energy right now. It's it's imbalanced. Agreed. So so those are some of the reasons why I really believe. And I think that women haven't, don't have the confidence always that they need to take on those senior roles because of how we've been socialized. And so for me, it's just unlearning some old messaging and relearning new messaging. That's really important. And how do you approach the sort of, um, I guess, counterbalance or counter argument of that? So we've had, you know, I've had experiences at work where we're very focused on diversity inclusion. I've been promoted in those scenarios and I've had, I don't know, I'll call a spade a spade, like older white gentlemen <laughs> um, say to me, well, yeah, you check all the boxes, so you're good. And I'm like, suddenly I have the privilege. So there's this almost like, and there sometimes people lean too far into diversity and inclusion. And I've said this myself that I never want to be promoted or put into a role because of what I look like or the gender that I am. I want to be there because I have the skills and I've proven my leadership and I have, you know, I've earned my way to that. Um, So how do you sort of balance those two dynamics and conversations and give women the opportunity to learn those skills and and develop that uh, ability so that they earn their roles? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. And I think, you know, if you look at the barriers that women have in the workplace, we see them at two levels, right? So the first barrier is organizational barriers. That's that's what I would consider an organizational barrier. Okay. Um, prejudice, uh, resistance to, to women's leadership. Uh, yeah. Those are things that have been, have held people back from leadership roles for a long time. Yeah. And um, you know what? If a strong, talented woman like yourself checks all the boxes, hell yeah, girl, go for it then. <laughs> yeah, dude, it. watch then me. You know what? then exactly watch me (laughs) blow you all out of the water 
Right. Just watch me, I say. Just yeah. go for it. <laughs> Leverage the opportunity. Absolutely. And so how do you how do you then go about um leveraging that strength and pushing because women also get this you know she's not aggressive she's like or she is considered aggressive instead of confident um and we get you know a bad reputation if we push too hard on things um and how do we just ignore that and do it anyway (laughs) well i mean it comes back to balance Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you've heard of the concept of masculine and feminine energy. Has that Mm -mm. ring a bell at all? So there's this concept of, of masculine and feminine energy, which is not your gender. It's not, am I male or am I female actually? Mm -hmm. Right. So if you think about masculine energy, it's very much about being results oriented and more of a, of a hierarchical structure and action oriented and doing and logic and independence, right? Interesting. Okay. Feminine energy, feminine energy is more about integrative, um, uh, being more process oriented and collaborative and focus on intuition and patience and being accommodating. Yeah. And so for all of us, right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we have to be in balance of our own masculine and feminine energy. So what's happened in the world, men and women have both become imbalanced in masculine energy. Like if you picture a scale, we're tilting, we've got way too much on the masculine side. Way too far on the masculine side, yeah. And so Mm -hmm. what all of us need to do, men and women, is bring the scales back into balance. So that's why men are really developing more their listening skills now they're being more accommodating because they're starting to tap into more of their feminine energy and I see that with male leaders all the time I talk to it's really interesting I have a slide which shows the difference between masculine and feminine energy and when I'm coaching like a very like manly man I'll pull up the slide and I'll say to him okay you you're way I'll still have the same conversation you're way too tilted in terms of your masculine energy You need more feminine energy. And I'll show them the list and I'll say, what do you want to do to increase your feminine energy? Yeah. Look at the list. We'll say, oh boy, yeah, I could be more patient. That would be a good one. And yeah, I could really focus more on relationship than task. And so I just find even some of my clients who are older gentlemen, maybe what we consider more old school, they're quite open to it. Yeah, I love that openness. And I shouldn't say, like, we're not painting anybody with the same brush here. But um, I love that, you know, throughout the pandemic, there has been more, I think, conversation happening about um, diversity, not just in sort of the natural or or the uh, traditional diversity and inclusion perspective, but diversity of thought, diversity of how we approach things, being flexible, being adaptable. I think the pandemic has has forced a lot of that um, for those of us who have been lucky enough to sort of maintain jobs and, and careers throughout this time. Have you noticed that or is that something that oh, is yeah. globally relevant? Oh yeah, and that's that's tilting, getting the scales back in balance. The feminine, feminine yeah. energy. Okay. All of those things that you mentioned are yeah. feminine energy, right? And people in, mm-hmm. the, in the spiritual, like all my very spiritual friends talk about like the divine feminine is rising, right? On the ah, planet. Okay. So like yes. globally on the whole planet, this like feminine energy is rising. And that's what the pandemic 
That's what happened in the pandemic is we were all, we, we had to slow down and stop and, mm. and assess our lives and look at what's working and what's not. And then there were certain incidents that happened on the global stage that made us say, wait, this, this too much masculine energy, look what's happened to our society and it's not working anymore. And so the pandemic yeah. was actually very instrumental in getting us back into balance. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, and it's been interesting work, working in this virtual space as opposed to the office environment, because it's funny. Um, it's almost like everyone's more equal because everybody's an equal size square on the screen. <laughs> um, but as we get, you know, you know, things are, we were just chatting before the podcast that things are starting to open up and, and get back to what we, we used to call normal. And I don't think we'll swing all the way back, but as we get into normal, more normal environments, there are certain barriers that women have faced in the work environment. Um, what do you think is going to stick and what do you think will be different as we go back? Well, I mean, I do. It's a great question. I do think that a lot of the organizational barriers are, are shifting mm-hmm. um, and women need to really focus on, you know, developing more confidence. And, you know, one of the organizational barriers is, is, you know, people not adapting as well to women's leadership styles, which has more feminine energy and that's shifting. But I think also we need to look at some of those personal barriers as we go back into a hybrid workplace where, you know, just things like, I'll give you an example of, of personal barriers that we as women put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So one that I talk to my clients about a lot is um, expecting others to notice and reward our contributions or, or like a reluctance to claim our achievements, right? So I'll give you an example. I was yes. talking to a, cl- a coaching client today and she said to me, oh, Vanessa, can we spend the last 20 minutes of our conversation preparing for my performance review? I said, of course we can. I said, well, what, what's the agenda? Uh, don't really have an agenda. Okay, well, how about starting with your accomplishments? Hmm. I don't think I, uh, what if I, like, she couldn't think of her accomplishments. I said to her, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back to your calendar and you're going to look at January to end of October, everything you did and you're going to write a note. And my, your homework is to fill up a whole page of accomplishments. She's like, oh, wait, I did work on this committee and I did do this. And she, so, so I said to her, when was the last time you actually shared your accomplishments with your boss? Does he even know what you've accomplished this year? She just goes, no, he has no idea. Right. So then she told me in, a, in another breath, oh, she got looked over for promotion. Well, ladies, like, here's the facts. If, if they here's don't the know. <laughs> if they don't know, if we're reluctant to claim our own achievements and just yes. expecting others to notice what we've done, we're not getting that promotion. You've got to, you've got to, might we say toot your own horn or might we say, take a stand to share your accomplishments and make sure you're doing it. Yeah. And it's almost like knowing your value. I've heard many times that like men have are, are more likely to go in and ask for a raise and they'll ask for something yes. over and above what would be expected. And women go in and we're like, okay, so we've calculated the range is probably around here. I probably deserve to be in the middle or the low end. So like, and we don't actually negotiate and advocate for ourselves. So that what you're saying about sort of talking about your achievements resonates in that way in my mind somehow. Oh, a hundred percent. 
And yeah. I think another one that we need to be conscious of, of um, you know, as we, we enter this hybrid model, but just in generally is also the perfection trap. Oh, I, Lord, yes. <laughs> yeah, I see a lot yeah. of women like men, they'll go, okay, yep, this is done and we'll move on to the next thing. And yeah. women have this need for everything to be perfect, right? And the reality is none of us are perfect. None of oh, us. no. <laughs> yeah. So you're striving for something that you're never going to attain. No. And, so and, what, to- and what is it? Like you're striving for perfect, but what is perfect? There's no actual perfect anything. So you're the striving. The only thing we are is human, right? We're human. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So we're never going to be perfect ever. Why? Because we're human. Right. That's a simple fact. <laughs> That's a fact, right? So when you look at the perfection trap, it's really about saying to yourself, is this good enough to ship? If it, is it good enough to send? Mm-hmm. Is it good quality, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. does it reflect me well? Will I be proud of myself for moving this forward? Mm-hmm. But really spending another two hours on, you know, should the font be Times New Roman and Ariel? No, it's not giving no. you any further traction. Yeah. Will anyone even notice? <laughs> That's the thing. That's a and great it, question to ask. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I was smiling in the beginning when you were talking about, we have this need for attention and acknowledgement, but we do not want to talk about what we do. <laughs> so that sort of, I love the idea that you gave your client about just write it down because then you don't have to actually speak it out loud. You don't have to tell anybody yet, just sort of document that. Um, and one of the things I've done in the past is sort of try and catch myself when I'm almost being diminishing or playing small, like I'll just write it down. I'm like, oh, I noticed that. And then naturally you start to notice it and, and change it. That's a great point. That's actually another one of the personal barriers that holds women back at work. And the research indicates this is mm-hmm. not believing in ourselves. Yeah. And not you believing know, like- in ourselves. Yeah. Where does, where does that innately come from? Like we see women not wanting to talk about our accomplishments or playing small. Where does that, um, what's that rooted in? Do you think? It's rooted in the way we were socialized. Okay. And it's, it is changing. I mean, you're seeing a lot more girl power and you're seeing a lot yes. more, um, you know, there's a lot more, there are movies that portray girls as strong. And, mm-hmm. um, there's, for example, I saw a great mom, mom, preneur, mom, preneur, mom, mom, entrepreneur. And her business was making t-shirts for girls that mm-hmm. said, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up. I want to be a scientist when I grow Love up. It. I want to be an engineer yeah. when I grow up. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's really been decades and decades of indoctrination that, you as women are weaker and you can only play these roles and you aren't as smart as men or boys. It is not true. Yeah. And what I love about the next generation is that the whole concept of girl power is just, again, in this feminine, feminine energy, energy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is that the stories that we're telling our kids today, that the youth today is changing for women and girls. Mm. You look at someone like Reese Witherspoon, right? And Reese Witherspoon is, uh, you know, 45 years old. And she looked around her. This is probably even when she was 40 and said, they're not making enough movies for women. So what am I going to do about it? I'm going to start my own production company. 
and I'm going to choose women uh, authors and I'm going to take their books and I'm going to have female directors. And so women are also goes back to your comment earlier around that women women empower each other. other. Yeah. Yes. And that's I find sorry. The only time that we're against each other is when we've been almost pitted against each other. Like there's such scarcity that there's only space for one. And then you start competing between the women. But if it if it opens up, then we we lift each other. And again, I think that women competing against women is a story that we've been told. Yeah. It's a story that we've been told. Like, how about two women who feel like they've been pitting at each other just kind of say, hey, I'm not up for this game. You? Nah. Yeah. And they actually, they actually end up working together, even if they've been, you know, positioned to be against each other. I find a lot of times we'll figure out how to work together. And you see also that's an imbalance of masculine and feminine energy in that relationship. Mm, which is yes. really interesting. When right? the masculine because energy is too high, it becomes super competitive. And then the feminine energy rises and we find a, a space to, to work together. Oh, that's, that's very ex- interesting. Exactly it. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, what would you say to young women who are coming into their, starting their careers now to sort of set themselves up on that trajectory for leadership in the future? Well, I think going back to one of the things we talked about before is consciously be more visible. Mm, so, okay. um, so, so let's do our list of yes and no. Okay. How about this? Okay. So how about no to suffering silently? Mm. No to wait to be given something instead uh-huh. speak up, ask for you, ask for what you want, right? right? No for to waiting for others to provide recognition or notice to you and yes to telling people what you're doing i like that one Mm -hmm. right no to feeling disempowered and yes to feeling empowered in every situation yes so that's that's i think is a good place to start is to really consciously be more visible yes it's almost like flipping the story that's in our in our minds so we're coming at things playing small, you know, diminishing ourselves. What if we are these powerful beings that we are um, and we enter a room that way or you enter a meeting virtually that way uh, instead of coming in with all the doubts that sort of play in the back of our minds a lot of times. And if you speak up from that place of feminine energy, right? Mm. I think I think women also, it feels unnatural for us to, go into that place of confrontation with our boss and say, yeah. hey, I want to speak up. You're not treating me fairly. But that's a very masculine energy way of handling the situation. It versus, doesn't have to be done that way. Yeah. Versus, um, okay, so what might it sound like? It might sound like um, set, setting up a meeting with your boss and saying, here, I want to share with you my core issue. I feel like I'm not getting enough communication on this project. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really know what my priorities are, are right now. Could we brainstorm some ways to overcome this issue that I'm having? Yeah. So do you see how that's really collaborative? Yeah. It's not confrontational. Like what, how did that feel when I said that to you? Like what, 
I think that actually sets both parties up really well, because as I'm listening to the words that you're saying, even saying, can we brainstorm? And it's not like walking into an office and or up to your manager and saying, I have this problem here. Let me put it on the table for you. It's can we work together? I want to be part of the solution. Maybe even coming in with some suggestions for them to respond to that kind of thing, just to start the conversation. So it's a very sort of collaborative way to to address that problem without triggering other people's egos or getting defenses uh, up. So I find that really interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And And I I think it, it, and it's, nobody wants a complainer. Nobody wants to work for a complainer. It's not good leadership to be a complainer, right? No. What's good leadership is taking initiative. Mm -hmm. What's good leadership is problem solving. What's good, yes. good leadership is um, not dwelling on the past, but thinking about what you can do in action in the future. So all of those yeah. things are good leadership. Got it. You know, I think back to what you were saying about sort of asking for what you want. Um, and I, I did that very early. And not that I'm a shining example of anything, but I remember a time I was in my entry-level analyst position and I wanted a manager role and I was seeing the other, I was the newest. So all the other analysts were sort of getting these special projects and things. And I just walked into, you know, my VP, VP's office. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm really eager to take on more. I have capacity. Um, if you want to leverage me in, in some of these ways or some of these things, I'd love to do it. And they took me seriously and it sort of went from there. So, um, yeah, I definitely encourage younger people to look around you, see what opportunities are available and and definitely ask for it. Wow. That's a great (laughs) example. What a good story. Um, Yeah, no, it just made me think of that. Not again, I'm not a shining example by any means, but it is, uh, it's a tip that I give people that I mentor or any, anyone that that would ask. So. Love that you brought that up. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for sharing that example. Yeah, 100%. So I think one of the things, um, and you mentioned like sometimes things feel uncomfortable, they don't feel natural to you. We all have these, um, I'll call them natural strengths. How do you find a way to leverage those natural strengths and, and particularly people who are like, you know, I'm introverted or I don't like, I don't like to be out on the stage. I don't like to, you know, be very vocal. How do they sort of leverage those strengths in a work environment? Oh, well, you know, it's, it's really interesting. There's actually a book called Quiet that was written five or six years ago. And the book Quiet was written about introverts And it talked about the fact that introverts are often undervalued in organizations because they have so much to offer. And so to me, it doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted or task or relationship oriented, every work style has different strengths and weaknesses, right? So Mm -hmm. let's say, let's say somebody is, um, okay, let's take an extrovert who's very direct. What's good about someone who's direct? Uh, you know exactly what they're thinking and what they're looking for. Okay. So for all of us, our strengths, when we overuse them, they actually become weaknesses. Right. Yes. Only when we overuse them. So yes. let's go back to that example of being direct. Mm-hmm. So if you know someone who's overuses their directness, how does that show up? 
they're um, almost dictatory and you just do what they ask you to do and that's it. And it uh, diminishes the team's ability to, to be everything that they are. Absolutely. So if you yeah. go back to a question around introversion and extroversion, the definition, mm-hmm. it's not how friendly or outgoing you are. Correct. Introverts get their energy from themselves and extroverts get their energy from others. Right. So that means as an introvert, just because you get your energy from yourself, it doesn't mean you can't dial up your assertiveness, for example. Like I use the terms with my clients around like, what do you need to dial up or dial down like on a radio? Right. Right. Because if you want to show up authentically at work, you -hmm. don't ever want to change who you are. So I don't want to change who I am. I want to be authentic. However, I do have strengths or weaknesses. I do have things that I can dial up or dial down to be more effective. So right. if, you're an, if you're someone who's more introverted and let's say you're just, you're more supportive and less assertive, uh-huh. maybe you need to dial up your supportiveness and your collaborative qualities and dial up your assertiveness at the same time. Right. Or maybe you need to dial down your, um, sometimes people are too supportive, especially yeah. introverts in a leadership role can mm-hmm. be too supportive and they don't right. make decisions. So sometimes you need to dial down your collaboration supportiveness and dial up your quick decision-making. Got it. But uh, when you're in it, it's hard to see what you need to dial up and dial down. How do we how do we stay aware of how we're perceived and where we need to sort of control those levers or dials? So a couple of ways. I mean, the best way I think is feedback. So mm-hmm. in your performance review, I would ask the person you report to, to give you feedback on that. So right. what do you see I'm doing really well? What do you see are my strengths? And what do you, if you could pick, I like this question. If you could pick just three things for me to develop this year, Mm. what would those be? And I always ask for that in advance, like give them two or three days to think about it. Got it. Okay. So that's that's one thing you can do. The other thing you can do is you can do an assessment. So you could do like, there's a tool called the disc profile, which is my absolute favorite, which identifies your work style. And okay. there's four different work styles. Some people are dominant. Some people are influencers. Some people are steady. Some people are conscientious. So it really looks at, at you can, you can get assessments on that. Uh, right. There's another one called strength finders. You can just, mm-hmm. yes, this, I've right? heard of that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so you can ask for feedback, but you can also take an assessment to get some data on your strengths and weaknesses. Got it. And how do you do like you, culminate all of that and then I think the the one thing that everyone's looking for at work is sort of fulfillment and how do you um get that from your work and I think people shouldn't get into the mindset where work is going to fulfill everything for them obviously <laughs> life is about a lot more than that but what's sort of the the secret to feeling really fulfilled at work fulfilled at work? (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, uh, it's a great question. For me, it's really figuring out what pleases you. I did, um, in fact, the the last session that I did before the pandemic hit in March 2020 was an International Women's Day event. Mm 
I went to the dollar store and I got, there were like 150 participants. I found this little bag of bells and I handed out bells to everyone in the room. And I said to them, I'm going to put up a list on the screen and I want you to ring the bell when something really gives you joy, because some people don't even think about what fulfills them and and gives them joy. So I had a list of things like, um, I like um, physical things like walking, hiking, cycling, ring the bell, yes or no. I like, and as I'm saying these, I want all of you who are listening to picture yourself with a little bell, okay? I I like to do mental stuff like puzzles and um, crosswords. And like, it was very funny during the pandemic when everyone is posting pictures of puzzles, like that's my worst nightmare. So that I wouldn't be ready. <laughs> I was like a puzzle. That is like I, I like to read a book of like, yoga. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not ringing the puzzle bell. Um, right. So uh, yeah. So you have to think about and then think about yourself at work. What rings your bell at work? Is it mm. quiet time where I'm writing? Is it meeting time where I'm connecting? What kind of work are you doing? Is it service to others? Is it um, something strategic and more big picture? Yeah. So I always tell people, you, you have to live a conscious life. You can't live unconsciously. You can't just trial and error, dilly-dally through your life. Like You have to show up at work every day and think yes. consciously about, wait, what am I enjoying? What gives me joy? What work don't I like? And I think, and then you need to take inspired action. So Mm. part of it is figuring out what rings my bell. And then the second piece is kind of what we talked about before, where you have to take inspired action. Like you going into your boss and saying, hey, I'm really good at this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. (laughs) Yeah. How about you leverage me in that way? That is an incredible example of what we're just talking about. You had identified what rings your bell. And then you asked, you took inspired action and asked for what you wanted. And I think mm-hmm. that story is such an amazing one because it's, you know, that's, that's really that kind of thoughtfulness you put into that and initiative that you put into that is really what we all need to be doing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, that was very, very early in my career. And I, I guess swinging to the other side of it is you're talking about inspired action. Like as women are further along in their careers, and I guess anyone as they're further along in their careers, and they've, they've sat down and thought about what, like, what rings the bell for them. It could be tougher to take that action because maybe it's a, like, it could be something as drastic as a career change. It could be like, you're going to go out there and start your own business. It could be, you know what, I'm going to walk into my boss's office and I'm going to not demand, of course, but like, I'm going to have a conversation that's going to trigger, you know, my path. But if you, if you have to make a sort of, what feels like a drastic move, how do you prepare to take that uh, inspired action? So inspired action is very aligned with baby steps. Ah, got it. (laughs) Yeah. So um, you have to go towards the goal. You have to take baby steps towards the goal. First of all, you have to identify what the goal is. Yeah. you, You go towards it. You have to enjoy the journey while you're going towards it. You can't be so impatient. You're also going to ask questions along the, the way. Like one of my clients um, had asked her boss for a promotion and yeah. he said, no, he said, sorry, it's just not going to happen because this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, yep. and this, and these changes. And 
right? And so now she knows she has the data and now she can mm. decide, do I take baby steps towards staying in that organization, developing myself such that when the positions opens, I'm ready? Or yeah. do I take baby steps to leave and start interviewing? But now she's in conscious choice. And whenever people mm. say to me, I, I, I speak to people all the time who say, Vanessa, I'm, I'm stuck. Like I'm in this company, I'm in this job, I'm feeling really stuck. There is no such thing as stuck. There isn't. Like you're, you're choosing to Agreed. stay. Yeah. Right? And if you're choosing to stay, then that's a choice. You, can, you might say, I have small kids right now and mm-hmm. this job provides me with it's not the most challenging, but while my kids are little, it gives me just time to be with my family. Wonderful choice. Yeah. Wonderful choice. So think about if you're choosing to stay, why you're choosing to stay, like, what are you actually getting out of it? And sometimes you may not even realize that you're choosing to stay, that there are other options out there and there are other things that could happen. Um, And it's, you know, I love that you said that reflect on that and, and understand that that's a great choice. You're making great choices in your life for yourself. And I don't think we acknowledge ourselves for all of the millions of choices that we're making every day, uh, just in our lives and taking a moment to reflect on that, I think is really important. Oh, for sure. And I think a really nice way actually to do that, because so, I know sometimes change feels overwhelming. Yeah. And so a lot of people avoid the change because it's so overwhelming. And so what I always say to people is, listen, okay, grab a pen and a piece of paper, write down your goal and break it down into baby steps. Let's say like I have a a friend who wants to leave his corporate job and start a coaching practice. Sure. And he just feels so overwhelmed. Like it's just how will I get clients on a website? And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Like (laughs) write down your goal. Now just- Write down a list of things that you would have to do. Now, let's cover everything up except the first thing on the list. Mm-hmm. Just do go that. Do that. Just, yeah. just do the first thing. See how that's baby steps and inspired yes. action? Yes. And then when that first thing is done, peek away the second thing on the list. Ooh. Yeah. And, and then go do that. Yeah. So when you yes. actually like break down your goals into baby steps, they, they just don't feel so overwhelming. Yeah. And I, it's amazing. And I love that you said, cover them up because everybody makes these to-do lists, right? Cover up the bottom, put them in priority sequence and cover up everything except one, because you'll be amazed how much changes and starts to shift when you do that one. And then you'll have to make a different list, cover it up and do it. And it, it's just the beauty of life just takes you in so many different directions and but if you take that little baby step, things will start happening in your favor. Oh, yeah, because what you focus on expands, right? So if you yes. focus on staying stuck, I'm so stuck, I'm so stuck, you're going to stay stuck. But if you focus, yeah. if you change your energy and your flow, and so you start focusing on movement towards, yes. then that's what you're focusing on. So movement towards is going to expand. And that's, yeah. you know, you're going to be in a different flow. That's awesome. So if you were to sort of, I guess, step back and like, um, if everybody, I'm sure our listeners have their, their pens or their computers out now (laughs) typing and taking notes as you're talking, because you've given a lot of sort of great tools, 
what would you say is sort of the top three things for women in particular to remember when we're in our in our work environments, virtual or otherwise? Well, I think, you know, I think it goes, it goes, it goes down to number one, in terms of career success, figure out what pleases you. Yeah. Um, number That's, two, figure out what on, pleases, what figure out what pleases you, not what pleases everybody else around you. So they'll think that you're great, but I love the way you said that. So I just wanted to take a moment to reiterate what pleases you. <laughs> Underline, highlight, bold. Underline, highlight. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I thought that was brilliant. So, sorry. Number two. (laughs) Okay, so number one, figure out what pleases you. Number two, focus on what I want and why I want it, right? Not when will it come, how will it come, who will bring it, what will it be like? Focus on what you want and why you want it, right? And that's when you can start asking for what you want. And Mm. then- Step three is really taking that inspired action. I love it. I love that. So it's almost like um, understanding what pleases you is what makes you feel good. And then what you want is just defining that in, I guess, a more tangible way uh, and then taking action towards that. Yeah, because exactly, that's exactly it. And that, that middle part, I think, is the trickiest for people because yeah. they want to rely on other people to give it to them. But, you know, you are the CEO of your own company. Like, you can't sit back and wait for other people. You have to make things happen. That, that really, like, it, it, I really look back at my career. I've been running my own business for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And when I really reflect on people say to me, wow, you've run your business for 10 years. Like, how'd you do that? And like, because... I take action. I make things yeah. happen. I yeah. don't wait for someone else to give me anything. Right. Right. And, mm. and also I think one thing we haven't talked about is building relationships, mm-hmm. like really having those people who love you and support you no matter what. And that's another thing I've done is like really surround myself with other advancing women, other women yes. who think the way I do and have the same mindset that I do, that I have, and we support each other. We understand each other. Yes. We understand the barriers we've had in the workplace. We understand the strengths we bring to the workplace. And so really having those relationships, I think, especially as women is so important. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you talk about those type of women and I reflect on the, the women that I have in my life, there are a couple, not all, but a few that I I know will give me very honest feedback. So not only do they support me, but when I'm doing something that's off, you know, off kilter for me and they know me that well, they'll sort of say, um, excuse you. (laughs) Or if I ask for honest feedback, they will give me very honest feedback and it doesn't damage that relationship because that's important that it's not just saying, Oh, you're so wonderful. You're so great. But like, actually helping you progress and grow in a constructive way is really, really, I wouldn't be where I am without those, without those girls. So. <laughs> well, that's an amazing point we haven't talked about yet is being open to feedback. Oh yeah. I had a, somebody comment on, a, I write a blog every week and I had someone comment on my blog last week. She's like, this, this would, this, this, and this. And I'm like, thank you for your feedback. Like I really actually appreciate it. And I went onto my blog and I changed it. Yeah. I just, change something. And then she goes, you know, I'm going to be more effective. You said this. I'm like, 
wow, I love it. Fantastic. And I changed it. Yeah. She was like, you changed it? You listened? You, I was like, wow, thanks for being open for feedback. I'm like, no, are you kidding me? Like bring on the feedback. So yeah. that's another great point you made is around like, don't like, like be a feedback sponge, ask for it, be open to it all the time. Yeah. Cause it's just, I think you mentioned it before it's data, right? Like it's data that you can take in, understand it and make it an informed decision to take that inspired action that you talk about. <laughs> yeah. And you know, sometimes when I get feedback and it's data that doesn't make sense, I'll go to one of those trusted friends of mine that you mentioned and yeah. I'll say, Hey, I have this data. Practice. Do you yeah. see me that way? Yeah. Do I come across like, do you, cause I trust you. And if you say you see me that way too, then boy, I yeah. really do need to change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Build your, build your support network, your village, however you want to define it. I had a, a friend who called her girls, the wolf pack, like <laughs> whatever you want to call that key group of women that support you. And actually I've had some phenomenal men in my life as well. Just, that will support and drive. And a lot of them want to be real allies uh, for women, you know, advancing the work environment. So I do have to just (laughs) mention that too. Oh, absolutely. Do you know um, Abby Wambach, who's a a American soccer player? Oh, yes, yes. And she wrote the book Wolfpack. Yes, 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 yes. That's right, yes. Yeah, Yeah. how to come together, unleash our power and change the game. And what she talks about in that book is, we don't want to be as women. We don't want to be Little Red Riding Hood anymore. We want to be the wolf. We're the wolves. Yeah. <laughs> We're not like that. We just scared. have better feminine energy that's bringing us down. So. Right. Yeah. We're not afraid of anything anymore. No. We're like, we don't want to be that cowering little girl wearing the red. We want to be like the super, you know, the Absolutely. super strong character in the story now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we are and becoming more so. Um, and it's a great shift to be watching and be part of as, as the world moves through that movement right now. So amazing. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I am sure our listeners have taken so much from it. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to share with us before we wrap up for tonight? Well, the last thing that I would say is Hmm. you do you, you do you, I think that for all of us, Um, you know, we really need to know that we are worthy and understand ourselves and, you know, show up in a way that feels really authentic and, uh, and, and that's how I'm going to end. You do you, you do you (laughs) best self and bring your best self to work every day. Beautiful message to wrap up with. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on tonight. You're welcome.